always said I'm a broke investor. Now I'm only as good as my latest flip. I, I'm a true investor in that most of my funds are always being deployed into properties, whether that's improving them to improve cash flow or it's just the general maintenance. I don't like a lot of money in my bank account sitting around and being deteriorated by inflation. Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. Hey, Right Club Nation, it is Sarah Larby. You are listening to the Right Club Podcast, and today's guest is Jared Henderson, who focuses on on the Peterborough, on the Cornwall markets, student rentals, the birth strategy. And uh, we have a great conversation. We see what he's been up to in the last year and a half. And he's done some pivoting, uh, different strategies. He's now full-time in real estate investing. I hope you guys enjoy today's podcast. Before we get to today's podcast, though, don't forget to leave a rating and a review and check us out because we are now going back to some live in-person networking events, opportunities. Uh, and uh, so check that out, therightclub.com. Go to the events page and you can see all of the great events that we have coming up. We are still doing some webinars, but we are also now live in person. So on that note, I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Jared, welcome to the Right Club podcast. How are you? Great, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear what you've been up to since the last time that you've been on. And it sounds like a lot, um, but before we get into, you know, what uh, you have been up to in the last year or so, uh, give us a, a little bit of a, you know, 30,000 foot view on what it is you do from a real estate investing standpoint. Yeah. So I've been real estate investing for about a decade now, actually a decade. I started back in 2012 in Niagara Falls. I bought two condos. I did it through, you know, uh, at the time, a high paying commission sales job. I saved up a good amount of money within a year or two and then bought two condos in Niagara Falls. I always knew I wanted to be in real estate. And so these were condos that could be, sorry, these were apartments that were converted to condos for investors like myself. They already had tenants. Um, and it was just a great way to introduce, to, to get introduced to real estate investing, but also be somewhat hands-off. And um, it, it was a great experience for me because I learned that, uh, once someone is in and paying rent, you you it's not easy to um, uh, get them to to move on. Uh, you can in Ontario as well as Quebec and other provinces, you can stay as long as you want. So that was an experience. But at the end of the day, I was able to refinance both those properties uh, and grow a portfolio across a few different cities now in southern Ontario, uh, Peterborough, Cornwall now, and uh, a little bit in, in Belleville. And uh, I'm up to 23 properties, so it's been a wild ride. Amazing. Congratulations. So can you maybe share how you've pivoted, I guess, um, since the rates are now increasing, inflation is uh, you know, at an all-time high, prices are going up. Are you doing anything differently than you were you know, two, three years ago? Yeah, I'm definitely looking at uh, cash flow with, with much more conservative eyes. So for example, one thing I do, whether it's a student rental or a normal duplex, is I'm looking for that extra bedroom uh, to maximize the, the rental value. So, um, yes, interest rates have gone up, but so have rents. And specifically in my market, student uh, student housing, uh, demand has gone up because I think we had a blip in COVID where a lot of student rental owners said, well, you know, if students aren't going to class, then I don't want to be involved in this world. And so they decrease the supply of student rentals. Well, 
now that uh, you know uh, in-house uh, classes are back and uh, everything is more or less back to normal um, you know there's a great opportunity to get strong rent so for example when I started out Peterborough rents were about $500 a room now they're 650 plus so I'm looking for that that edge right if I'm looking at a regular bungalow can I put that extra bedroom right next to the kitchen where it always goes um, and get four beds up and two beds bed down so I can get an extra six or seven hundred bucks a month. Um, anything to maximize cash flow and obviously run your rates at at five percent plus because that's the current market. Um, it, it's just basically taking on properties that will provide strong cash flow. And I'll be honest, there there's a couple in the last a couple I bought in the last year that simply don't cash flow because I was on a variable and now I'm paying say five hundred dollars more a month maybe three or four, but uh, the point is it went from positive to a negative. And uh, most of them I could hold, but if over time they cause too much issues, I'll, I'll be selling them because I don't want to have those in my portfolio for very long. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think many people are in that market, right? Especially with current tenants being in place and not being able to, for the units that are, are rent controlled. I mean, you know, I think it was 1.2% increase in Ontario as an example this year, 2.5 next year, and it can only be increased by 2.5 unless you apply for, you know, a special increase. And even then it's still not going to keep up with the, the I think the 20% to 30% year over year actual market increases what, with what we're seeing. So um, so it is, you know, about looking at your, at your portfolio. So the properties that you purchase that no longer cash flow, um, you know, I think it's a good conversation to have. So like you're, you mentioned potentially selling, uh, you know, are you looking at other, other avenues of, of trying to recoup that or, you know, how are you positioning your portfolio to be able to handle that? Yeah. And I'm in the unique position where I, I don't need to sell. Uh, I flip for income now since I'm a full-time real estate investor. So, um, Basically, my idea is to flip and and use the funds to hold these properties that that will be negative for a short period of time. So let's say whether it's rates coming down uh, eventually or uh, rents inevitably going up, they they will cash flow. It's just a, a function of my tolerance to, to hold them, right? So mm-hmm. the idea is uh, my my best advice is for uh, your listeners that are looking to buy their first property. Uh, to make sure it you know, cash flows at 6%, 7%, um, that you have a plan B in case uh, it doesn't work as a student rental, you can duplex it um, or have uh, any other avenue such as Airbnb to maximize the cash flow of the property. Um, Once you have a few properties, you can sort of play around and there's more maneuverability and uh, I just have more options, but that being said, the strong fundamentals are to keep the properties that are that are cash flowing and the ones that aren't or are negative, uh, figure out how you're going to turn the negative into a positive. And if you can't, then I believe that uh, selling is likely the best option. Absolutely. Now, you, you also mentioned uh, while you were talking there about being full time now. So, uh, you know, when did you when did you make the leap and, and why? So that was the beginning of this year. It's actually January. I did a flip in in Peterborough. Of course, this makes me look like a genius because it was at the height of the market. But I sold in in um, in January for a place that I bought for four sixty. I sold it for uh, seven twenty five after putting in maybe twenty grand. We're just talking wow. about a 
third bedroom up top instead of a two bed, uh, paint and a bit of flooring. And that really started, uh, ease, gave me the confidence to, to basically dive into this and say, hey, you know, all I need to do is a few of these a year and then, then that's more than replacing uh, my, my income. So um, between that and having a lot of fun with it, it, it became easy. And the truth is I'm using the same skill set. I'm just applying it to variable, uh, you know, different outcomes, right? So before I was just taking my money, investing it in, let's say, these bird projects were um, buying a property, renovating, renting, and refinancing. Um, that's great, but it doesn't provide the cash flow. Even if you have 110% or plus bird, um, you still need to eat at the end of the day. So what I'll do is if there's a place that um, I see the potential and I can buy at a good price and renovate and sell, then uh, that will be my income. I call that my grocery money, right? That's that's groceries, that's the mortgage, my mortgage, um, other expenses now that I got a little one. And um, the buy and hold game is with JV partners, also my own personal funds. And, um, you know, it, it's fun looking at a property and saying, hey, what's, what's the highest, best use if I can't? Uh, duplex it? Does it work as a student rental? If it doesn't work as a student rental, does it work as a flip? And exploring all these opportunities. There's so much you can do. There's so much versatility in real estate mm -hmm. that, um, that makes it fun and interesting, right? You, you, you can have so many successful outcomes with the property. You as the investor get to choose, which is fun. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so which month was it that you actually left your nine to five? January. Right okay. So that was before, that was on the, the height of the market. Yeah, and, and, and I did you have any any thoughts in March and April and May when things started shifting of like, oh crap, or like what was your thought process then? Not really. You know what I always said: um, hold what I hold what I can. We're inevitably going to experience some some downfall in pricing, right? The, mm -hmm. the, the challenge for myself, as well as I'm sure of a lot of investors, is that we've anyone who's been around for even twenty years have, have only experienced more or less, other than let's say 2017 and a few other spots, uh, strong appreciation or positive appreciation, right? We haven't had a progressive downturn, but what happened was interest rates increased so much in such a small span of time that the challenge for me is adjusting from, you know, these one, 1.7% variable rates to like 5% now. So there's a reason why, you know, you, you run your numbers with that buffer, so uh, you don't you don't overextend yourself, but really, and Sarah, you know this as well. This is a game of adapting, and if you adapt, you'll be fine. So, um, and through through these changes is gonna these changes are gonna result in a lot of opportunities for investors, whether that's um, you know buying at a attractive price, uh, being able to finally get an inspection done on a property. I mean, I really do try to look at the positive on it. At the end of the day, the uh, you know the, the net worth taking a, a big hit, let's say, comparing it from January to now, that's not fun. But at the end of the day, this this is going to happen again if we're in this game for long enough, right? So um, it's definitely been uh, a learning experience, and it's it's been a, a hit, but it just makes you a better investor, that's for sure. We're going to take a quick break from the show. Right Club Nation, let's take a quick minute here to meet our sponsor for the week, Blackjack Contracting. They've been serving Niagara, Hamilton, and Brantford areas, and for the past three years, 
becoming the area's largest basement suite renovation specialist. That's right. And Blackjack works with real estate investors, both new and experienced, converting single family homes into multiple legal suites and renovating properties to achieve their maximum potential and value. Absolutely. And they've completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls and everywhere in between. They handle everything from permitting and design to final cleaning before you list your rentals. And they also have fully licensed electrical contractors certified with the ESA and take jobs of all sizes. Make sure to check them out at blackjackcontractinginc.ca and also follow them on social media at blackjackcontractinginc. And they say investing can sometimes feel like the biggest gamble of your life, but when you have blackjack on your side, the house always wins. So now, back to the podcast. And now, back to the show. Yeah, 100%. I mean, but it is interesting, right? Because like, obviously, you, you did really, really well. And then all of a sudden, the market turns, you leave your full-time job, and you're going into flips. And so walk me through maybe how you analyze a flip today uh, in this market versus how you analyzed a flip you know, back in January. Yeah, so I think that I heard some flippers previously would build in the appreciation. So let's say you buy it, it closes two months from now, and then you need, let's say, two or three months to rehab the project, and then you're out in six months. Well, at the, at the rate of appreciation prior to January, you could probably buy anything and wait six months and not have to do anything and make a, a good deal of profit. So what I'm doing now and the way I've adapted my um my buying strategy is to, to build in the buffer if it goes down, right? So um, it's not a fun conversation when you, you know, you got a property that, that needs work and someone has been anchored in their pricing to January and February prices, despite the, the renovations it requires. Um, those, those are challenging conversations, but you just try to um, basically apply some reason and say, hey, you know, th this is a, an opportunity for a place that really this property shouldn't be on the MLS. You're not going to, you're going you're to deal with a realtor who's going to want you to put in, you know, $30,000 plus uh, you're looking at a longer close. There's a lot of benefits with working directly with, with, with buyers like myself. And uh, you know, if, if there's no exchange of value there, then you just move on to the next property. Right. So I think a big part of uh, my strategy changing has become, has, and to become more disciplined with the um, with the buying strategy on a more conservative basis. Whereas before, I'd be like, "Well, I know this is going to be worth this in in six months." Uh, now, since the, the trend is softening, I just need to buy at a lower price and also add more value. So, for example, if there's a two bedroom but it has a great floor plan where I can knock down a couple walls and turn it into a four bed two bath. Then we're looking at different comps, then we're looking at a different ARV, and then I can make sense of it. It's mm -hmm. forcing us to use more creativity to, to buy and flip. It's definitely tougher. It's, it's tougher, but that's- Yeah. That's so, so like, I mean, I have a, like, for example, like a Burr calculator that, you know, I put everything through, it gives me my ROI. So it sounds like you're doing something similar now. Are you using like a certain percentage? So like, let's just say you look at your January, February prices, are you taking a 20% decrease when it's done from that ARV to estimate the after repair value? Like, how are you, like, how are you structuring that? Yeah. So what I tried to do instead of working on a, a percentage, let's say decrease basis is I think we've, 
we've seen a good 10, uh, 15 to 20% dip in most markets, some more, some less, but let's just say that. Um, what I'll use is basically, um, you know, uh, call it five, five to 10% worst case scenario where I believe that since we've fallen, we obviously can fall more, but I don't think, I know I'm going to get some grief for this. I don't think we can go another 20% or at least if we do, my, my plan B is to hold the property and have it as a rental. So I really do believe in the, it's called the evergreen strategy where you don't only have one option when you buy a property. So if I, if I go through the process and add the value and turn it into a four bed, two bath, and I, and I can't get the ARV that I'm looking for, I want to hold it. Um, I know that's a bit of a long-winded and I didn't really answer, long-winded answer that didn't really address it. But the, the truth is um, I'm more, I, I attribute each property to have a conservative ARV value based on recent comps, right? And when I say recent, I'm not talking about three months ago because that's ancient history. I'm talking about two weeks ago uh, in the last month in the area. And it can't, it has to be a direct comparable. It can't be one street over where the streets even remotely nicer than this street. Um, mm -hmm. I'll use everything on my side to get the best price in order to get the, uh, the best outcome on the sale, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Okay. Awesome. So you mentioned JVs, you mentioned partners. Are you doing these by yourself? Are you bringing in investors to participate? How's that structured? Yeah. So sometimes I buy them myself and sometimes I, I look for partners depending on the type of property. When it comes to Burr properties now, since I don't qualify for A-type financing, um, if I see what is my bread and butter property, which is a raised bungalow that's dated where I can you know, increase the, the value by a couple hundred thousand, 200 to $300,000, then I'll work, I'll typically work with a partner that works a nine to five job or has, you know, solid net worth where they qualify for the A financing and then uh, basically use those funds to buy the property, renovate, and then return as much of the capital as possible upon refinancing. We're still seeing strong, um, appraisals on legal duplexes in my market of Peterborough. So as long as that sustains itself, then there's really a, a low downside to, uh, to continuing this process. And the worst case scenario is it's, it's, it's cash flow positive and we don't get the appraisal that we aimed for, but it's not as though there's any real money lost, right? We're looking to buy these and hold them for at least five to 10 years. So mm -hmm. You know, if we don't get the appraisal of 750 and instead it's seven, fine. So you have a you have a lower mortgage. You're going to cash flow more, and uh, there's just another opportunity in three to five years to refinance it again and get the yeah. rest. We're going to take a quick break from the show. If you're a busy real estate investor or related professional and looking to build your brand and business, reach more people, and stand out from the competition then you'll want to listen to the Personally Brandtastic podcast. I'm the host, Paul Copcut, and on the show, we talk to leading marketing experts about building your personal brand with the latest strategies and ideas. Because marketing is how you get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. So if you're looking to build your brand and business, then check out the latest episodes of the Personally Brandtastic podcast on your favorite podcast player or app, or head on over to personallybrandtastic.com. And now back to the show. 
Yeah. You can always do two refinances, three refinances. I mean, really yeah. ultimately like it's, it's flexible, right? It doesn't have to just be the, the first time when you're done the renos, you can wait a year, depending, t- like take a look at what the market's doing. And if you've got some new comps that the appraisers can use, then uh, that's better for you mm-hmm. um, to keep a pulse on that, on that market. So an investor that's coming in, like, what, is there a minimum qualification that you're looking for? Yeah, so right now, most of my projects would require about, uh, say, 200000 250000 I'm targeting bungalows right now with prices softening in the high fours, early fives. That would be in good neighborhoods in Peterborough. Um, and so between that and I would say the renovations run between eighty and 120000 depending on the property. Depending on the property, the layout, the ceiling height, the windows, and everything like that that we can get into. Um, we're looking at about two, two to two fifty as uh, as an entry level raised bungalow burr. Right, right. Okay, so they would bring in the money now. You want them to hold the financing, I guess, as well, since your T four income is gone. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I, I, you know, so I always said I'm a broke investor. Now I'm I, I'm only as good as my latest flip. So I I use that to exaggerate in the sense that. Um, you know, I, I'm a true investor in that most of my funds are, are always being deployed into properties, whether that's improve, uh, you know, improving them to improve cash flow or it's just the general maintenance. Um, I don't like a lot of money in my bank account sitting around and being deteriorated by inflation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously important to have some staying power and have some liquidity along with, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities that are coming up. Uh, we recently had a student buy a house in Hamilton that's going to be a triplex actually it could probably even be a four unit um for a number it was 495 purchase price mm-hmm. like that's unheard of in Hamilton for like the last like the last long while so I mean again it's uh you know opportunities are out there and I think like you mentioned in the beginning you can actually ask for inspections now so like we got the price down based on the inspection coming back there's always things these hundred year old houses there's always problems that you can negotiate on the worst they can say is no um but you know now we're seeing people actually decide to say yes to the price decreases and the new the new pricing negotiating um so there's lots more strategies and lots more opportunities i think for investors to you know now have the upper hand the ones that are purchasing for sure yeah so you're juggling real estate you're juggling that with a new baby and a family how are you managing your time well, I think I learned this from you, Sarah. You you delegate a lot of your cooking and cleaning and all those great things you don't want to do. Well, I, uh, I'm starting to do the same as well to free up our time. Uh, my wife's a, a working professional with a with a strong career, and uh, you know we we want to uh, be present and have energy for our baby boy. And uh, in order to do that, and for me to be effective at what I do. Um, you know, similar to a business, you want you want to delegate the tasks that you can to to get your energy um, and focus on on what's actually making you money, not costing you time. Yeah, so, right. I love so, delegation. <laughs> oh no, I get it. It it, it makes sense, and um, I, I can take that to another level where we're finally starting to I'm starting to hire out um, part time teetering on full-time uh, employees in order to help me out with a lot of administrative tasks. Like the other day, I realized with the amount of properties you're managing, it's like, I've got an insurance renewal every two weeks. It's annoying. Um, 
there's so many payments going out, so many payments to to come in. Um, these apps don't build my business. They're essential in order to, to keep a business running and afloat. But what I really like doing most, and uh, you know, it took me some time to, to realize this, but is I like finding the deals. I love putting up signs. I like getting out flyers. I like networking. I like finding those win-win situations privately with investors who are looking to get out of uh, any properties that are causing them grief. And uh, that's what's uh, propelled me to uh, some form of success in getting those properties under market value. Uh, there's a lot you can do once you have that and you work with a team that can, can renovate and manage these properties, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, having fun. Absolutely. I mean, the acquisitions and the winning and that kind of stuff is fun. And then, you know, there's all the managing and the operation side of things. Did you do sales when you were working full-time? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty much a sales history for the last 10 years. And, you know, I, I always love it, but at the end of the day, there's nothing like um, working for yourself where, you know, for mm-hmm. example, I, I'll, I'll go and, and cold call deals that, um, that make sense. I can't be on the phone all day long because I've got many lures out uh, to get inbound leads. Uh, but the truth is once you're sourcing the deal yourself, you know, Mm-hmm. You offer benefiting from it significantly. If I found a great, if I find a great deal, and I yep. don't want it myself, I can wholesale it. If I do want it myself, um, I can keep it, renovate it, work with a partner on it. There's so many different options. So um, when you're working for another company, it's great. You, you as a salesman, you make mm-hmm. commission. You're a good salesman, successful. You make strong commission. But at the end of the day, uh, it's it's the business that you're working for that that's really benefiting from your services, and that's fine too. It's just um, it's a different level when you're working for yourself and you and you're, you're yeah you're, you're essentially creating your own equity. You're creating 100 percent of the equity versus sharing that equity with partner. Yeah, I mean the reason I was asking because I I have a sales background too, and yeah. you know, my favorite part of real estate is acquisitions and negotiations and stuff like that. And I think like you know, in a parallel universe, like the being a sales rep or a sales manager or whatever is very similar to the deal acquisition and the negotiations piece. Right. And then you've got the operation side of things. And that's probably more like being a landlord and the management. And so, because for me too, like, I, I, I feel like I, you know, I've done sales for 10 years and I gravitate towards making offers and getting accepted offers and that kind of stuff. It's like, that's the fun part. I'm not saying that like none of the other stuff is fun either. It just is more of the operations thing. And then sales is like the acquisition, right? And I mean, that's kind of how I look at too as a parallel thing. So a lot of people that were in sales, they like, you know, and have a, a lot of friends too, with a sales background, they love the acquisition. Either amazing realtors or wholesalers. I, I bet, you know, with, with the sales background, because you're basically applying that skill set that you've and honing for, for years in sales and, and applying it to real estate is a fantastic area. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. More fun on, on acquiring the property. And of course that involves the long-term vision of, am I going to hold it? If so, is it student rental, duplex, what kind of tenants, what kind of neighborhood, what, what, what can we get for rent? That's mm-hmm. all very important. But um, I know that outsourcing and growing my team on the property management end is uh vital to success. So I, I do my best to build those relationships with the partners that are looking to do the things that I don't want to do, which is 
you know, swinging a hammer and managing the property. Right. Awesome. All right, Jared. So the next part is their lightning round. So I'm going to ask you four questions. You're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind in 20 seconds or less. Are you ready to play? I am. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. All right. So here's question number one. What is the best advice that you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Tom Sullivan told me about a few years ago, he's like, you know, everyone is obsessed about this and how many doors and how many units and da, 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 da. and he's like you know what the second you've got three to five income properties you should consider yourself very lucky and you you've quote unquote made it and that always hit me because even now i'm finding myself comparing with guys with 100 units 500 units all that and how do i get there and this and that but at the end of the day um you're really only competing with yourself and often you shouldn't even do that you should look back and see the progress you've made and um it, it's just a, a great way of not comparing yourself with, with others absolutely great advice number two what is your favorite resource in general it could be anything a book a person training an event anything that you can think of yeah i uh well what i would recommend for your listeners who are looking to get into real estate investing i would highly recommend getting a good coach that has success in, in doing exactly what you want to do. That's number one. Uh, in terms of the resources that I enjoy the most are podcasts. I still do a lot of driving. I'm driving to Peterborough from Montreal. So that's like five hours there, five hours back in between my little stop-offs in Belleville and Trenton and whatnot. So podcasts are my friend. You've got a great podcast, but like you, I'm, I'm a big, bigger podcast, a bigger pockets uh, listener. Uh, tons of advice. It's not all super relevant because it is US based, but at the end of the day, they have the right framework and uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, cool. Question number three, what is the one attribute that has made you most successful in your opinion? Oh, I think um, just st sticking with it and taking action. You need to take action in order to experience the success. So a lot of would-be investors get caught up in the education. I was thinking about this the other day. No one can, I don't want to say be over-educated, but you always feel good as you get educated and motivated. But these aren't actions that drive, that move the needle. They don't move the financial needle for you. So um, what, I, what I taught myself is as I started experiencing some success is start taking action once you're 75% sure. You don't need to be 99% sure. By the time you are, either the deal is done or you're really just more in your head and you're looking for excuses not to do something, mm -hmm. um, it's really about uh, taking action and not quitting. All right, I love that. Be successful with those two, for sure. Taking action, not quitting. All right, and last question. What do you do typically on a Sunday morning? I'm getting older, so I stretch. 
<laughs> that sounds so lame. I stretch, I run, I, I you know what, um, with my free time that I value so, so much, I, I really enjoy exercising. So I'm starting to lift weights. I used to run a lot and um, I just sort of got out of that because it, it's hurting my knees, hurting my back. I just don't do the same distances anymore, but I typically exercise or a nice long walk on the mountain. Something exercise related. Awesome. Yeah. I, I feel like last year you were tracking like how much you were running and you were posting that. It, yeah. So yeah. I, I had some good. Toll. Yeah. I was, uh, I was doing like probably uh, 20 to 30 kilometer runs once a week. I never did a marathon. I've done a whole bunch of half marathons. Mm-hmm. But I think once COVID came and the gym shut down, um, you should see where I live and rip out the water. It's beautiful. And, nice. you know, it's just ideal to run. You just put on your shoes and you're there. There's no driving to a place to work out and that's fine. So I just sort of got obsessed with it and uh, I'm still sticking with it. Just not at the same distances, right? I'm not going out for like a two hour run. If I do that down the line, fine. But um, I enjoy working out now. Awesome. And playing hockey. Yeah. Very sure. cool. Awesome. All right. So Jared, where can the right club nation reach out and find out more? Now, the best place to reach out is through Instagram. My handle is Jared H55. So that's J A R E D H55. And, you know, just reach out uh, whether you're new or experienced, you want to say hi, have any questions about uh, either Cornwall or Peterborough. Uh, I'd be happy to chat. By the way, I, I host two WhatsApp groups. I started one in, in Peterborough, where I think we're like 110 already. And I would nice. say 60, 70 investors. Some are investors in other markets and looking okay, at very people. cool. Can you invite me to it? I want to join. How do, I, how do I join? Absolutely. Well, I'll just add you at the end of the call. It's very, it's very easy. Oh, perfect. Look at that. Remember, and it's and um, you know, it's a great resource to encourage people to um, basically share contractors, property managers, all the vendors and strategies in a certain market. Like, you know, I'm I'm from Montreal and I'm investing in Peterborough. People always mm-hmm. have why Peterborough, why this? And uh, I'm like, well, you don't have to live where you invest. And uh, it's all about the people and the connections and building the relationships, right? Once you, once you do that, build that trust and have a community like that you're providing to reach out to, when you have the question, you don't have many excuses anymore because the answer is usually there. So yeah, I have one for Cornwall. We're only sort of 20 now. Cornwall is okay. like far for most of the Southern Ontarians. So um that's fun and exciting because it's only an hour from Montreal mm-hmm. and it's a great market. I'm not just saying that because I'm there. It's affordable. We're all looking for cash flow now. Amazing. So if, if anybody wants to reach out to you about Cornwall, Peterborough, just investing in general or whatnot, potentially yeah. partnering with you, then uh, they can reach out to you. And you said Instagram was the best spot. That's right. Okay. Amazing. Jared, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Sarah. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you. And we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.